podcast this week, we talk to the hottest trio this side of Salah, Firmino and Mane in the shape of Daniel Bruhl, Dakota Fanning and Luke Evans, stars of the ruddy bloody new Netflix show, The Alienist. Plus all the usual news and nonsense on the movie podcast that just saw Peter Dinklage walk into a classical music shop. And do you know what he said? Oh, God. He said, where's the handle? Where is it? I must find the handle. That's that's what he said. I was there. You can't prove otherwise. There's probably a, there's probably a kind of Wagner Ride of the Valkyries gag in there somewhere, but I can't find it. Len Arnold Schwarzenegger walked in. Do you know what he said? Anyway. <laughs> Hello, Pod. I'm Chris Hewitt, and welcome to the Empire Podcast, which once again this week is brought to you by those wonderful peepholes at Sky Cinema, the dedicated home for movie lovers. Later in the show, as is now usual, I will be pointing out a couple of movies that you can watch on Sky Cinema this lovely bank holiday weekend. The weather's going to be very nice. You guys got any plans? I'm working. Oh, because you got the thing? Yeah. Jimbo, what are you going to be doing? That's an excellent question. I suspect I shall be having a very exciting weekend full of glitz and glamour, and let's be honest, I'll be watching Netflix in my pants. Not Sky Cinema, then? I might be. You never know. I'll see what whim takes me. Perhaps I shall, uh, you know, for the sake of pod loyalty. Yes, James will be watching Sky Cinema, and he will be watching my picks from Sky Cinema. What Just are they? two movies. I'll tell you later on in the show. Tell me now. We've established oh, it. Oh, no, no, no. The template has been well established okay, for the last four film. weeks. One film that's on Sky Cinema. One film that's on yeah, Sky Cinema. One that I should watch. One of them picking this yeah, week, or yes, just yeah. a film recommend that's on Sky Cinema. Film. Recommend me one of your picks right now. No, that ruins the section later on. But 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 but, but I can't wait. I want to know. I want to know what I'm doing on the weekend. Oh my oh god! Oh my god! Patience. Instant gratification. Did you, did you learn nothing from Spider-Man: Homecoming's final sting? I think we've all had a terrifying insight to Jimbo's lovemaking technique. <laughs> Yeah, I'd like to do it in front of Sky Cinema. <laughs> no, that's um, not where, I, that's not where well, I was going with that. That's not what we were saying? No, I was... Anyway, just two movies from the thousand-plus films that are available on demand on Sky Cinema, including a brand-new premiere every day that I will not tell you about until later in the show. The Delayed film, gratification. The film that I'm going to be doing stuff in front of. Okay, good, good, good to know. I, God, I hope not. God. I really hope not. Do you think the sponsor's going to ask for a refund? Quite possibly. <laughs> uh, this week, you've already heard them. Getting up my grill. Uh, I'm joined by two colleagues of such lethal cunning. First up, our geek queen, Helen O'Hara. What, what are you doing on your phone, Helen? I'm preparing the news section. Oh my God, you're yeah, such a professional. You're such. You're diligent. You are. What's mm-hmm. the other word? No, that's too insulting. Anyway, welcome to the podcast. Thanks you know, so I much. haven't. I've dialed down. I was thinking about this the other day on the Hamilton references. Ever since I saw Hamilton, yes. And you would have think you would have thought that I would have dialed them up. No, because you always. Talk more about the things you know nothing about. <laughs> I think Helen has just uh, done a lovely segue to our Avengers Infinity War spoiler hey! special. Two and a half hours of me talking about something I know nothing about. And you guys are there as well. Uh, that is available right now. And this guy's on it as well. James Dyer, how yeah. are you? Hello, I'm fine. Team Thanos. Oh my God. <laughs> we're back anyway, to this again. Anyway, we're going to be very, very careful about spoilers. Yes, uh, because yes. people may, some people still haven't seen this film. They haven't seen the bit where Cap explodes. They haven't oh seen that Oh my God. Yet. His what? head does not fall off. You were lying about that, Chris. Yeah. But the thing is, if I, I'll be right one day. No. Not yeah. necessarily. I'm, at some point, no. his beard will fall off, but that's probably oh. the extent of it. Law of averages, if I keep claiming that Captain America's head will fall off in the film, law of averages suggests... I will be right. That's not what the law of averages suggests. Speaking of uh, Captain America hair, have you heard that Nick's doing an Avengers hair challenge? What? He's growing what? his hair. He's, he's aiming for Steve Rogers' hair. 
Like that's what he's going. And he's going to. He might go full Winter Soldier. You know, if time permits. So wow. he's going to go through the, the many stages. This of, is of this Avenger is Empire's Nick Desemlin. Empire's Nick Desemlin. Yes. Okay. Is is this a sponsored thing? Should we be giving I money mean, to a charity? It's hard to say. But okay. sure, send me some money and I'll pay him not to do it. <laughs> His hair is probably closer, I would say, to Doctor Strange at the moment. Than, I think. Yeah, he's going to have to do a lot of growing out to get it to the 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 wonderful lush thickness just of the Steve Rogers' hair. liveliness of oh, Steve Rogers. Just hair you want to run across, isn't it? <laughs> he does have extraordinary hair. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Can you bathe in hair? You I mean, try. we could try. Mm. We could find out. Is hair rich in nutrients? Could you? Could you? <laughs> no. Could you survive on a diet of Steve Rogers hair? No. It probably no. depends on the conditioning you use. Doesn't it? Doesn't it form a um, uh, what do you call it? Those things in your stomach, um, like I, a ball. Mm, if you if roots, you eat hair, you get this. You get this ball. ball of yeah, essentially a hairball in your stomach. It Ew. can become. Oh, there's a word for it as well. It's used in like magic. <laughs> not I'm kidding. Sorry. It's actually what it is. Actually used in magic. It's used in in magic. Well, I'm not saying it works. A magic hairball. Yeah, so, the, the name will come to me halfway through this. So just to be clear, we've just started the podcast and we are eating Steve Rogers' hair and creating <laughs> yeah. a ball in our stomachs which will then yeah. be used for magic. Yeah. Not- What's your favourite scene in the movie in which someone eats someone's hair? Mine is, there's a moment in Evil Dead 2 where one of the baddies eats someone's hair. I would do that to Steve Rogers. Just that's imagine creepy. what conditioner he uses. I don't think he does. I think it's oh, natural. I think, think that's the natural? goodness just shines out of his hair. So good. If you want more primo Marvel content like this, go and check out our Avengers Infinity War spoiler special. We never got around to... And Nick cannot grow his hair long enough to be Bucky. And that's a bad look. I don't even think Sebastian Stan pulls that look off. His hair is closer to Doctor Strange and he he should stick while he's ahead. You think? Yeah. He should quit while he's ahead, rather, rather Mm. than a phrase that doesn't exist. Uh, So, yeah, James Dyer is here as well. And we do have a question. And that question has been sent in... It's a Bezoar. What? There we go. That's the name of the thing. <laughs> Shut up. It can also be a stone from like a goat stomach, but also bezoir. there are hair bezoir. bezoir. I just thought that was like a reservoir that you just get on really well with. <laughs> just, you know. Yeah, yeah. How do you that. spell that? B-E-Z-O-A-R. Okay. Bezoir. That, that sounds like some kind of dinosaur. So do you. Thanks. Uh, yeah, it's, so it's a small stony concretion which may form in the stomachs of certain animals, especially ruminants, and which was once used as an antidote for various ailments. But you can have hair ones as well. Anyway. Wow. <laughs> this has been very informative. Let's take a question that was sent in by email. This is from Team Hiddles Goddesses. Uh, and they ask, yeah. as a collective entity, do you think the Marvel Cinematic Universe will ever come to an end? Presumably... I mean, all good things come to an end. We we know this. Yes, from the from finale Star of Star Trek, Trek The Next, the next Generation. generation. Um, but I do actually think it will come to an end, yes, because all things yes. do. And I think also all film trends, film series, film whatevers eventually come to an end. What, I'm still waiting for James Bond, admittedly. But but Ugh. really, like everything else does, Like there, there comes a fallow period when th- things don't work as well as they used to. Mm-hmm. They try to double down by sticking to what they know works, which doesn't work because you have to keep innovating or things fail and people get bored. And then you know, you get Disney in the 80s. Um, so, like, there will come a time when it stops working. I just, I don't think we're there yet. Well, all things in the universe head towards entropy, don't they? It is well, a natural also, state. But having, having spent a lot of the, the Avengers spoiler special on astrophysics, I thought I'd give it a rest <laughs> today, so. Yes, we're all heading towards entropy. 
<laughs> that wasn't a threat, I'm just saying. No, no but the heat hmm. death of the universe will kill the Marvel yeah. franchise, you're right. The team Thanos. Um, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, yeah, look, yeah it'll, it'll come to an end. I mean, ultimately, it'll come to an end when it stops making lots of money, really, isn't that? Really, what will happen? It seems unlikely that they'll make a creative decision to kind of, uh, you know, if it's still storming ahead at the box office, Disney are not likely to. That's it, guys. We're done. the cash cow for, for burgers. But, um, well, Cap's yeah. head fell off, and oh that's it. We couldn't, we couldn't go on after that. But, but yeah, I, think, I wouldn't be able to. I think the fallow period was... thing is, is right. I think in, rather than end it, they'll put it on hiatus until it feels fresh again and then, and then bring it back. Like Star Wars, you know what I mean? It will go into a dormant state where you'll think it's defeated, but actually it will return. And and kill kill us all. I think it will outlive us all. I'm not. Neither of us put a date. Yeah, this is true. On our yeah. thinking. But this week wasn't there a story that they have Marvel have planned up to 2025. So they have professional plans in place yeah. for movies up to 2025. Which is more than any of us have. So, so that will outlive at least one of us in yeah. this room. <laughs> Absolutely. What do you know that we... Never mind, I don't want to know. Just uh, a law yeah. of averages, Helen. Yeah. Right. Law of averages suggests again, that again, if Chris. we are doing this podcast in 2025, seven years yeah. from now, one uh-huh. of us will be dead. If, mm. if, if any mathematicians are listening, if you could please write into Chris and explain what the law of averages is, I would super appreciate it. Sooner Thank or later, so I will read that letter. Law of averages... Dictates that oh the longer it sits on my desk, mm. the greater the chances are that I will That's read it. That's not what, how your desk works. I know it's, how your desk works. Yeah. Anyway, so I plan to die in what are you, 2018. So, uh, How many Avatar sequels do you need to see before you're happy dying? <laughs> um, do you want the honest answer? <laughs> no. I will be happy with seeing no Avatar sequels. Right, okay. But I will see Avatar sequels because, as we all know, we should not write off James Cameron. Never. And we expect good things from Great the Avatar things. sequels. Great things, in fact, from the Avatar sequels. Redefining things. Cinema, genre, redefining things. Mm. I love an Avatar. I know you do. I know you do. I'm a you, fan. Must, you must be excited about uh, the, the four that he's making the at the moment. The next 18 yeah. films, yes. I'm yeah. very, very excited about them. I think. Uh, no, but he know. is stopping. He, even, this the thing that he is stopping at, at five, or so he says anyway. Mm but uh, once once avatar 5 comes out which i believe is actually scheduled for 2025 so mother awa willing yes i'm sorry helen you won't be around to see it what <laughs> since when am i the one who's dying first? we we, oh, we had a discussion earlier and we we, we chose you oh sorry no it's 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 random you will um i believe what's the word you will entropy after That's not the word right. again after, if you're a, if after, you're an astrophysicist yeah. and you can write into Chris and explain how entropy works yeah. that would also be and people will super go, super good people would go well, why did she die? Why? What was it that killed her? And it's like, well, she was eating nothing Twas but Steve Rogers' hair. <laughs> yeah, it had turned into a bazaar. Bazaar. A bazaar of cap. A cap bazaar. I don't know what's happening. I'm, yeah. I'm interested in how you see my life going that you think I'm going to have the opportunity. <laughs> Excuse me. No, this, this, you're like, like a like really shit serial killer who collects celebrities' hair. Like, I, I know might. you've got Spike Jones's hair on, like, because I've seen true. it. That is so true. So who knows? Who else you've been nicking follicles from over the years? I mean, I don't hey, know. Hey, those were donated. Mm-hmm. Do you still have it? I th- probably. Should we I tell don't people? Know. So Spike Jones came into the office for a web chat. For a web chat, yes, with and the director of Jackass Three. Jackass Three. Whose name is Jeff Tremaine. Tremaine. Okay. And Jeff Tremaine, yeah. who was sitting next to Spike Jones, uh-huh. while Spike Jones was giving a very lucid and intelligent answer to a question, uh-huh. 
decided to cut off a small piece of Because <laughs> that's what those crazy jackass crazy. boys do. And then he gave it to Spike Jones. He didn't quite know what to do with it. So seeing some sellotape and a piece of paper on my desk, he sellotaped it to the piece of paper so that we could clone him. Wow. Oh, I mean, unfortunately, he's an idiot because well, the he, follicles need, exactly. were not pleasant, present, so, so there was no DNA to clone him from. That, which obviously frustrated us all yeah. mightily in our, in our attempts to clone him. Uh, with the office, but law of averages copier? states, Helen, that if you keep trying, you will eventually That's not find entropy. So yeah, so I, I think I still have that somewhere. If you want to have your question read out <laughs> on the Empire podcast, we are on email podcast at Empire Online. As Team Hiddles goddesses found out to their cost, we're also on Twitter as at Empire Magazine. Use the hashtag Empire Podcast, or chances are we will not see it. And we are on Facebook as well, where we are Empire. Mag, uh, zine. There we go. All good. Happy days. Right, should we talk about some movie news? What hath happened? So much hath happened. The, the, yeah, there have been lots of little little things and, and some big things too. I'll start with the little thing, which I thought was quite sweet. Kathy Kennedy went out on Twitter and gave a little congratulatory note to Infinity War uh, from a galaxy far, far away, which showed Ray handing the lightsaber to Iron Man as a kind of well done for smashing our opening weekend, which continues a long tradition of yes. doing this, which is quite nice. I did, uh, I did a little bit of uh, research into this. It started in 1977, which was Steven Spielberg sent a nice little... Uh, uh, he took out an Adam variety to George Lucas, uh, and it had R2-D2 fishing for Jaws, which I thought was a lovely, a lovely little nice. uh, passing of the torch. And then there was another one back, which had uh, the Star Wars team holding E.T. aloft when E.T. did it particularly well that year. And then E.T. crowned R2-D2 in another one, which was in 1977 when the special editions okay. were released. And then uh, George Lucas commissioned this wonderful artwork of all the Star Wars characters going down on the Titanic when Titanic pardon. did very well. <laughs> my word. didn't say going down on each other, just going down with the ship. With um, the Titanic. Oh, yeah. my. Okay. <laughs> yes. Um, and then there's the T-Rex holding Mjolnir for Jurassic World. Which is another ad right? that got taken out. Okay. That was a good one. With all the Avengers standing by. There's no way the T Rex would be worthy. That's a ridiculous cartoon. There's another one of the T Rex giving a medal to BB 8 as well, which is good for the Force I mean, Awakens. He's doing very well given the size of his arm. Yeah, so it's been a bit sporadic. <laughs> like Some of these are for overall box office, some of them for opening weekend, others are for doing quite well on, on VHS. Uh, so it's a little <laughs> bit of a random. It started, it started sort of as just two friends. Yes. It's just Spielberg and Lucas, and now it's, you know, anyone's in on the action. Steven so. Seagal once sent one to Michael Dudikoff. <laughs> <laughs> With Cynthia Rothrock, yeah, Cynthia Rothrock. Um, yeah, so I thought that was sweet. I think it's, I think it's nice when you know. Shall we uh, give some context to this as well? This is because uh, Avengers: Infinity War did uh, pretty well at the box office did over right, the weekend. Yeah. It set all kinds of new records. Records I actually genuinely didn't think it would break, mm. uh, including the domestic opening weekend box office record, uh, taking in a whopping twenty-five dollars. No. Oh. $257 million. There you go. Yeah. That's a lot more than uh, what I... I just glanced at it. Sure. Yeah. You could buy a lot of bazaars with that. <laughs> you certainly can. Mm. You could buy a lot of Steve Rogers hair product. I don't think that's what he uses. Mm. Anyway. Well, anyway, we could speculate what he uses, but this <laughs> will become an Empire podcast after dark. <laughs> um, so $257 million at the box office. That is $10 million more than the previous uh, box office record holder, which was... Star Wars The Force Awakens, and it made $630 million worldwide. It's already apparently at the $800 million mark, and basically will make a shit ton of money. 
which is uh, intriguing, and I really want to see how this movie holds up. Mm. Uh, we won't talk about the movie, no. no. But uh, I wonder. I, I did wonder whether it would generate repeat business. Do you think it'll take third place? Do you think it'll make it? I mean, it's not. It's not going to touch Titanic and Avatar. I wouldn't have thought. But uh, do you think it'll slide into third base? <laughs> slide. So to speak. slide into third. Spot. Spot. Space spot. I think we just had another illuminating insight into Jimbo's <laughs> love-making technique. Um, I think it might, yeah. yeah. Right, I think so there is going to be repeat viewing because I think mm, people are going to... There's a lot going on. There's a lot going on and I think people want to, you know, decode it, figure out what's there to be figured and generally... Hey, do you know how they could do that, Helen? How's that? They could listen to the Avengers Infinity War spoiler special, which doesn't have any of the people involved with the film, so you know it's good. <laughs> Seamless. Uh, it's, it's, it's there right now on your podcast device uh, of choice. What else has happened? Uh, Lupita Nyong'o is going to be Chow Yun-Fat. And that's, you know, interesting. Oh. Well, I mean, yes, yeah, she's going to be starring in a remake of The Killer, of which the is killer. extremely exciting. Or yes, a new version, new as, version. As the Chow Yun-Fat type character. Yes. Uh, John Woo used to send me Christmas cards every year. That's a true story. That is. He no longer does. I don't know what I did. Oh. I don't know what I said. Did Maybe you send I, Christmas cards back? I didn't know. Perhaps that's what it was. I that's, think that was probably that's what, what it was. was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So this is this is exciting because it's a phenomenal film and Woo is a fantastic action director. And Lupita Nyong'o in an action film. I'm mm. I'm kind of there. I think that's yeah, fascinating. Me too. Variety says John Woo will direct. This is really. <laughs> I hate this word. I keep saying this word. Intriguing. Helen, find me a new word. This is splendiferous. Promising. promising. This is splendiferously promising. Mm. It's interesting that he's directing because he, for a long time, he was just on his producer, and they'd said they were looking for director. I didn't realise that he was now mm. behind the camera but officially. It's, it's good. I feel like we need some John Woo action movies back in our lives. We haven't had enough in yeah. a little while. Hard Target Two. I'm waiting for still. Uh, Hard well, Target yeah. Two, of course, exists as a movie. James, as Does you will it? know, it stars our good friend. <laughs> Does it, Scott, Scott Adkins. Adkins? No way. In How Hard have Target I not Two. Seen this? Does he bite the rat, the the rattle off a rattlesnake? Because if he doesn't, then I don't want to know. No, in a in a trick in a in a in a shock twist, a giant rattlesnake bites the head of Scott Adkins. Wow, that's extraordinary. Oh. Yeah, no one saw that one coming. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm you know really... you shouldn't do that because if his hair gets in his stomach, he'll, it'll get a bazaar. <laughs> you, you don't want a Scott Adkins bazaar. <laughs> I guess you don't. Um, so anyway. Really excited about this because mm. I love John Woo. I love the, the Hong Kong action movies of John Woo. Less so his American work, although obviously he made Face Off, which is a brilliant film. Mm. Uh, but I love The Killer. I mm. love Hard Boiled. I love A Better Tomorrow and A Better Tomorrow Too. And, and uh, really, really excited about this. The Killer is one of those movies I used to just, I used to just replay. I used to really <laughs> piss my parents off because I had the VHS of it. And I would uh, take over the TV and I would replay the same three action sequences from the killer over and over and over again. So there's a bit where he is on a sort of dock side and he sees a, the flash of a of a, a sniper's uh -huh. rifle in the distance and then suddenly rolls forward and starts killing lots of people. There's a bit where he's attacked <laughs> in his he's attacked in his apartment and uh -huh. he slides his chair back and pumps some bullets into some goons. And then there's the great action sequence at the end in the church, you know. And uh, it's such a good film. I prefer Hard Boiled, but I love The Killer. Well, Hard Boiled is funnier. It like. is funnier, and it, it, the action's better in Hard Boiled yeah, yeah. as well. It, it's incredible. More and babies. There, there are more babies, and, uh, yeah, about the same amount of doves. No, fewer yeah. doves. Fewer doves and fewer more doves? babies. There are, fewer fewer, doves, there are more way babies. more doves in, in The Killer but than there are in Hard Boiled. a class of dove in Hard Boiled. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I hope Lupita Nyong'o is as well-dressed as Chow Yun-Fat was in those movies. He always yeah. had cool suits. Cool suits. So we want some cool suits for her. There, there is other 
news of her this Surely week. not. Yeah, oh, really? there is. Jessica Chastain is leading um, an impressive group, which is scheduled to include Lupita, um, in a film called 355, which is a film about spies. So basically uh, top agents from agencies all around the world having to work together to, to stop a bad guy doing a thing. What does the title mean? Uh, 355 comes from the codename of a female spy during the American Revolution. So she was one of apparently the first spies for the US and her identity is still unknown, apparently. So for a lot of women who work in the CIA and, and similar, it's a universal slang term for, for a female spy. So this would star Marion Cotillard, P- uh, Penelope Cruz, Fan Bin Bing and Lupita Nyong'o as 355s. Wow, Which okay. is a pretty cool idea. So the idea is to make this a sort of, you know, very much an ensemble piece, um, toe-to-toe with the big action franchises, although apparently it won't be as hyperbolic as some... And unlike the ones that revolve around, you know, a Bond or a Bourne, this is meant to be a an ensemble piece, so everybody has their own mm. distinct character traits. Cool, sounds great. Yeah. Why is it pronounced hyperbolic uh, when the word is hyperbole? But, of course, Natasha Bedingfield, in her song Lee's Words, calls it hyperbole. She pronounces it hyperbole. <laughs> That's regrettable. It is regrettable. But then for years I thought that canapes was pronounced canapes, so... Yeah. I used to think Ar- Arai was pronounced Ori. Things went Ori. <laughs> I thought Segway and Sieg were different words. <laughs> yeah. See, the law of averages suggests that eventually no. you'll get one of these right. Mm. No, that's not, that's not how that or works. Or fall into entropy. <laughs> also not. Oh, God. Okay, I'll just draw a line under this week's running gags. Has, <laughs> there we go. I think we've beaten those to death. Has anyone seen the trailer for the new Robin Hood no, because it came out just before we yeah. came into the booth. It's a bit Robin Hoodie. One would hope. Yeah, uh, it's it's. I don't know. I'm I'm very interested to see this. I, I really like Taron Egerton. I can't quite get a bead on it from the trailer. It has the I don't want to say whiff of, uh, but it has a sense that it could be the Robin Hood version of Last Legend year's of King the Arthur's. Sword. Yeah, yeah it yeah. has that going on. <laughs> Who refers to that film as Legend of the Sword? By the way, <laughs> what King Arthur? I think. Yeah, and the Legend of the Fucking Sword. Um, I'm pretty sure that was actually part of the title. Yeah. Was it? Yeah, in I'm it, pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's, it's, in it was also in part it, of the yeah. title. Wasn't it, wasn't it called Bish Bash Bosh, Legend oh, of the Sword? Yeah. Oh, yeah. A little bit Offer, woo. Offer, King Offer. A little oh, bit woo, a yeah. little bit wee, a little wee. bit way. Yeah. No, we've had the little bit woo story already. Yeah. Hey. Very good, very good. Uh, yeah, I definitely watched the trailer. It's, it's certainly interesting. There's a lot of... Uh, Arrow time, I think the Wachowskis might call it. Okay. Uh, there's lots of that. There's some, there's, some, there's some funky bow work in it. Wasn't that done in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves already? Ah, yes. But, but it doesn't have uh, Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio and, blowing in his face. And he can probably it. do an English accent, so that probably helps as well. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there was also a trailer this week for the Teen Titans movie, which made me laugh. Mm-hmm. Way more than it should have done. It's extremely self-aware. It's the kind of it's kind of Deadpool for the PG generation, I think. Um, and so I'm excited say, to see it. Wow. I say, faff and fark <gasps> instead of you know those no, more don't adult grown-up any, words. Yeah, anyway. I'm not going to say. But right I think I, I, honestly, it does look really, really funny, and everything so far has looked good. And, and, and this is I'm the one excited. where Nick Cage plays Superman. At long, yes, long last, long last, it wow. happens. Uh, scratching that itch. And, and speaking of Deadpool, and I never thought I'd after these words, but I highly recommend everyone watch the new Celine Dion music video uh, because it's fantabulous. <laughs> it's weird um, you say that because you say those words literally every week. I know. My heart will st- go on. <laughs> we can't stop you saying it. Yeah. Uh, she's, uh, she's, she's done a video with Deadpool, and it's actually really funny. Um, the song, well, it's a Celine Dion song, so take it or leave it, but uh, the, the video is really funny. Uh, very excited about that film, so yeah.
Wow. Go and check that and out. what happens in this video? Deadpool cavorts on stage. Now, I want to say it's not Ryan Reynolds, because there's lots of, frankly, quite good dancing in it. But knowing knowing Ryan Reynolds, it almost certainly is him in high heels cavorting on the stage. So, fair play. I mean, they're, they're fellow Canadians, right? So, yeah. he's yeah. got to be. I think so. My understanding is that Ryan Reynolds is almost always in the suit. Mm. So, it may well be him. It's It's very entertaining. Very entertaining. Very entertaining cool. indeed. Is Celine Dion reinventing herself, uh, a la Michael Bolton, and suddenly discovering think, the funny bone? I think she's hilarious. She's been hilarious for a little while now. She's been wearing extraordinary outfits. Um, if you look on Same. websites like Go Fug Yourself, F-U-G, mm-hmm. um, her, her back catalogue over the last couple of years has been impressively weird. And, um, and even if some of the videos she's done for Vogue and people like that have been really, really fun. I think she knows exactly... I think she basically is just getting to the does not give a fuck stage yeah. of her career and is just letting it all hang loose and she's she's doing well. Someone I, like I went to school with described her as having a voice like warm sick, which I thought oh, was a little geez. bit... Oh, jeez, that's just... Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm sorry. Say harsh. what you like about her choice of music, but Celine Dion can sing. Yeah. Like, I, hey, I'm, I'm all for it. She um, she was sprung on, on Jim Cameron on Titanic, which I thought was a nice touch, where he didn't... Yeah. No, not, not literally, like, she wasn't waiting <laughs> in his... She wasn't waiting <laughs> in his bedroom, like, or anything like that. Yeah. It, was, it was... She was, um, like, Horner got her to record the song, and then they... Because sh- he didn't want the song. Yeah. And, they got, and then sprung on him, and he really liked it. So, yeah. Nobody expects the Celine Dion. Do you remember the name of the Leona Lewis track that ends the Avatar? I see you. I see you. Yes, I, I see you. you. As in where you go <laughs> when you're you. horribly injured. That's not. In other news, uh, Helen Mirren and Danny DeVito have joined the one and only Ivan, which appears to be about a CG gorilla called Ivan. Oh, this yes. is the uh, Sam Rockwell. And the Sam Jolie Rockwell. Thing. Yeah. yeah. So um, she's his friend Stella, um, an elderly elephant. I mean, obviously. So. I don't know, but a really good voice cast, so it must be pretty funny, right? Brian Cranston and uh, Helen Mirren and Angelina Jolie and Sam Rockwell. I mean, come on, it's yeah. got to be worth something. Got to be worth something. Got to be. Oh, Westworld's getting a third season, surprising absolutely no one. Literally couldn't be less surprising. <gasps> yeah. Are um, you going to say bothered? No, no, I mean, no, also I'm, that a little bit, <gasps> personally. But. Don't be harsh. I love a bit of Westworld. Uh, there is Michael B. Jordan news, so it's a good week. Hmm. Uh, he's working with Black Panther writer Joe Robert Cole um, for a comics adaptation called Failsafe. So he would be playing, presumably, John Ravan, uh, the legendary insurgent hunter who thought he had executed the last nano-enhanced super soldier. We've all been there. You thought you had. In a personal battle that included the kidnap of his daughter. But no! A decade later, sleeper agents around the country are activating and uh, it looks like he has to go back into action. Oh my goodness. I know. Don't you hate when that happens? I call it a Tuesday. At the moment, he's at the moment he's producing, but he'll star once he reads the script if he likes it. There's an official synopsis to Shane Black's The Predator as well. Ooh, what does it say? Nice. It says, <clears throat> "Are you ready? The universe's most lethal hunters are stronger, smarter, and deadlier than ever before, having <gasps> genetically upgraded themselves with DNA from other species. When a young boy accidentally triggers their return to Earth, only a ragtag crew of ex-soldiers and a disgruntled science teacher can prevent the end of the human race." That is a genuinely terrible synopsis, <laughs> which is is harsh because <laughs> as I was on set of the film and I know the entire uh, story, and that does not do it justice. You know it's, the entire story. Yeah, I even if they had extensive. Uh, well, I don't. Know, I don't know the, yeah. the entire story now. Maybe very different, but I knew the entire story when I was on set, and uh, that doesn't do it justice. It's actually, it's actually much more interesting than that. 
How did you know the entire story? Did you trip I, and fall and... I, I tripped and fall, fell in the script. Yeah. Um, no, everyone was surprisingly unguarded. I was alone and largely unsupervised. And, were you in uh, camouflage? Did yeah. they know you were there? They didn't. They had no idea. There was something out there hunting them and it wasn't... No. Can't kill what can't be killed. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You can't stop. You don't see the stopped. eyes of the If demon. it bleeds, we can kill it. <laughs> what? <laughs> that was what? extraordinary. <laughs> wow. I think we have a new contender for worst Arnie impression. Oh. I thought John Eugen's no, uh, from a few bad. weeks ago yeah. was... Wow. I don't think Helen's ever attempted a, an impression before. That's true. It's just because you know you're on borrowed time and yeah. <laughs> you're just... Do it I'm going to be dead in five years. Why not? Just go Five for it. years? Yeah. What? I thought you said five years. Years. I said by 2025. I didn't give you a date. Oh, no. seven years. Wow. Yeah, seven years. I mean, oh, that's well, fine. split the difference. I'm not going to say Six anything. I, I, I've said too much already. I've said too much already. And I certainly want you to think uh, worse or, or or think twice about October 16th, 2024. <laughs> I wouldn't want you to think about that. So uh, just forget, forget forget I said it. You're going to feel so bad if I drop dead that day. So bad. You are. She's not wrong. I think I'll be the prime suspect. You will. <laughs> if that were to happen. People would go, what's this? You know, like, you know, why was there a big bag of Chris Evans' hair in your, yeah. in your apartment? It's going to be that. It's, it's, while running her 15th marathon of the year, Helen coughs up a giant furball <laughs> with red, white and blue stripes and that's the end of it. And sneaking Chris Evans' hair into your sandwiches. I don't understand how Chris Evans gets involved in all this. Like, oh, he's, how he's are you an, getting his hair? He's an innocent boy. Well, I can't say. Okay. Trade secrets. Yeah, okay. but let's just say... I've been I just feel stealing like into his house and stealing his hair when he's asleep. I just feel like I'm just going to not let you ever cook for me, and then I'll be okay. Yeah, seems seems fair. It also it jocks off food poisoning as well in that case, hey. doesn't it, really? All right, okay. But can I just say, we're not, Helen is not going to be killed off on the podcast, all right, in case you're worried. It's not sweeps for another few months anyway. <laughs> no, no one is safe. Uh, Jimbo, on the other hand. <laughs> oh, God. I'm the yeoman like, Johnson of this podcast, like, aren't I? I'm the red shirt. <laughs> like, we go on an away mission, I'm just fucked. Like you wouldn't welcome death, tender embrace at this point. That's fair. <laughs> Roland Emmerich's making a new film. Hey, what's he making? Uh, he's making Midway. Oh, as in the Battle of? As in the Battle of Midway. Oh. And it's uh, budgeted at $100 million. It's going to start shooting oh, this August. A small film for him. A yes. small personal film. <laughs> it's going to start shooting this August in Hawaii and Canada. I volunteer for the, for the set visit. I was about Ciao! to say exactly the same thing. Hawaii, you say? Damn it! Uh, Woody Harrelson and Mandy Moore are going to star in this. Oh, um, a couple. I don't know whether they're going to be the main cast or the main leads in this, but I guess when you have $100 million and you're spending it all on recreating the Battle of Midway, mm. you save in other areas. See, I thought you, you were about to say, when you have $100 million, they will find you. <laughs> <laughs> Unless, of course, you're Woody Harrelson. <laughs> you know that I have a very soft spot for Roland Emmerich films, apart from... That one that shall remain anonymous. Oh, but you mean Independence Day Resurgence? <laughs> oh, the one about the guy who really wrote the, the Shakespeare plays. Don't you start with me. Plays. Don't you even start the, with the, me. The real... Because you think it's bad to be educated on bezoars and, and entropy, <laughs> but it'll get a lot worse if I have to sit down and explain why you should be a Stratfordian, okay? So... So, um, strap what? Stratfordian. <laughs> so, next week's guests, uh, you'll be delighted to know, are Mark Rylance and Derek Jacobi, <laughs> who will be sitting down and talking with Helen about the true nature of the author of Spiel, uh, Spielberg's plays. Spielberg's plays. Spielberg's plays. Yeah. Yeah. We do that too. I talk about Spielberg's plays in Shakespeare's films. Really? Yeah. Okay. So I've got I've got I've got a little story which is uh, which I find splendiferously promising, and that is. <laughs> 
that Arrested Development Season 5, as we know, is going to be hitting Netflix at some point in the next couple of months. And Mitch Hurwitz, the creator of Arrested Development, who has been on the podcast, I think if you can, if you search for that, I'm not entirely sure when that was, but it was a really fun interview. He's a really fun guy. So do search for that. That was around Season 4. It's probably 2013. So Season 5 is coming very, very soon on Netflix. And uh, he took to social media the other day to say, sooner than you think. So maybe around the end of May. But the really interesting thing is that the much maligned season four, which debuted on Netflix a few years ago, and approached the storytelling in a very, very different manner. Uh, mm-hmm. So the whole idea was he, he he loved the idea that people would be binge watching it. And so he set up each episode, each episode focused on a particular member of the Bluth family. And slowly, as you watched each episode, it would, the storytelling would reveal itself. It was very, very layered, and you had jokes that seemed innocuous in episode one that would pay off in episode 13. Once you got the full context, it was very Rashomon. There were lots of mm. different viewpoints. But people didn't really like that. So Mitch Hurwitz has uh, taken the time to recut season four into a more conventional Arrested Development multi-character format, and that will be launching this Friday. Star Wars Day. Today, in fact. So that is exciting. And that is maybe how I will spend some of my bank holiday weekend watching that. <laughs> because genuinely, I really liked elements of season four, but some of it just did not work. And so I, you don't like, you watch Arrested I've Development? I've never seen Arrested Development. I completely in the dark. And uh, you, know, oh, you, so you know what you should say when you're in the dark, don't you? Where's the candle? Sorry. I'm sorry, that was way worse than my Arnie impression. I mean, yeah, okay. I'm, I'm, and it was a terrible joke, so, you know. Uh, no, I've never seen Arrested Development because it's comedy and I don't do well with humour. This is true. James is an enemy of all things fun. Mm. So. Yes. Yeah. Uh, in fact, if you see a comedy, then you have to... You know, it's good for us to flank Jimbo so that we can infect him with our, yes. our comedy lols. Yes. Uh, and then you will enjoy the... The thing that you watch, yes, a little more. You will understand that, that laughter is, yes, is meant I, to this, happen. <laughs> this bit is meant to be funny because we are laughing, and he goes, "Oh, that is a trigger. I will do it." Yes, okay. Yes, I absorb it through osmosis. Yeah, but do you watch any comedies? Any any small screen comedies? You liked that one recently. Uh, what did I like? I liked something. Good place. Oh yes, good I like the good place. Yes, yeah. that's 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 you know, what's the word again? Funny. Yes, that's 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 with the funny. Um, you like Friends? Uh, I, I don't do Friends. Uh, no, the TV series. He yes, also no. Uh, no, I like Friends, the TV series. I find that again that gives me a, a small smile. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> he allows himself three yeah. small smiles a week. That's right. Uh, Blackadder and Forty Towers. I'm of course uh, a fan of uh-huh. so from from back in the day. Python. But uh, no, not a, not a big Monty Python fan. Okay. It's uh, it's very much with me. It's like, uh, and I know now why you laugh, but it is something I could never do. <laughs> the um, Office, US, and absolutely UK. not. That is like a humor vacuum for me. Like any like uh, Kevin enthusiasm, any of that stuff with that kind of comedy emba- of embarrassment, I can't. It just makes me want to crawl under a table and die. I can't. I cannot. I can't abide it. It's my kryptonite. It physically pains me to watch it. I can't. Can't do it. I'm just, I'm just not just clear. Do Does he like it or not? I'm, I'm still in the dark. I wish no, he'd be more it's, emphatic. It's excruciating to me. Wow. Um, Same with Partridge. So, so yeah, so you watch the rest of the film because it is fantastic. It is amazing. It's yeah. really, really good. It's very, very funny. It's very smart, very sippy. And there are about 75 different characters. So if you don't like two or three, you will latch onto other yeah. ones. And, and also, really you'll get to like the two or three. I did, I did see the episode with the Analropist. Uh, business card. And That's I, an amazing that, joke. That was a very, that was a very good gag. Yeah. I, I, this is me. This is my happy laughing face. <laughs> I, I am, wow. I, this is me amused. Yeah. That's that's like. Yeah. 
Fox Mulder's shocked face, I'm if any of you remember that from the X- X-Files movie. Um, while we were talking, I, I, I was checking Twitter because you were boring me, and um, <laughs> someone, <laughs> someone coincidentally has sent me a picture. He says, turns out the Avengers were at the Battle of Midway. Uh-huh. How does this fit in with the MCU timeline? And he's sent pictorial evidence, which is um, a group of runways on the Midway Atoll itself um, in the shape of the Avengers A. Uh, so that is pretty compelling, I have to say. Um, Ed Casson, hello. Um, uh, and it's also on the, the Wikipedia page, so you, you guys can check it out there. Yep. If you look at the Battle of Midway Wikipedia page, it's about halfway down. Yeah, I can only hope that that's in, you know, Captain America 4 that somehow happens yeah. at some point yeah. when Chris Evans comes back. This is really freaky. Uh, after his head fell off, you mean? Yeah. Uh, because someone was cutting all his hair off, and his his head <laughs> oh his head became unbalanced and just fell off his shoulders. That's exactly what's going to happen. Uh, so that's really weird that uh, Ed Casson. Yeah, he would send us that because he sent it to me as well. So check it out, Ed Casson, or just check my timeline or Helen's timeline. Uh, so that's obviously Chris Hewitt and Helen L O'Hara. Why mm. L O'Hara? L for loser. No, it's for love. No, it's not. It's for Louise. It's uh, somebody already had Helen O'Hara. Okay, basically. Those dickheads. Uh, right. I never tweet either. I mean, I would ask who, but... I'll go you one better. Why? <laughs> okay, so that was movie news. And as you know, this week's podcast is sponsored by Sky Cinema, which gives you unlimited access to the best movies, the best movies at home, whenever and wherever you want. If you wake up at three in the morning and you're jonesing for a fix of quality premium cinema, then you can do so via Sky Cinema amazing. They have over a thousand quality movies on demand ready for me to enjoy whenever I want. Brand new, a brand new premiere on Sky Cinema as of this week is Christopher Nolan's brilliant and thrilling World War II epic Dunkirk. Okay. In which a phenomenal cast, including Kenneth Branagh. Hey, by the way. Yes. Did you know that the voice at the beginning of Infinity War Yes. There's a, a, a distress signal is sent uh, plays over the Marvel Studios logo. Yes, that 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 is Kenneth Branagh. Mm. Is it? It is. Did you know How he has a tiny cameo in Chariots of Fire? But, but this is better. Well, okay, yes. But. <laughs> this is better because I actually did some digging. I did some digging. I confirmed this myself in my attempt to be a one-man Woodstein and Burnwood. Uh, you know the guys who brought down the yes. Watergate Hotel? Yes, that's right. That's yeah, they did. You know, they were trying to take down the hotel yep. and then Law of Averages no. suggests that no. he would take down the president mm. uh, eventually. Oh, God. I think, that's what, I think that's what happened. I saw that in that film. I did some digging. I, I put on my little my little cap with the, the press badge stuck in the, into the rim and uh, I, I said, uh, hey, is that Kenneth Branagh in Infinity War? And this shadowy source whom I met in a underground car park, I emailed. Yeah. I emailed. I said, yes. If you're wondering who the Pulitzer Prize winner for journalism is next year, it's me. Sorry, guys. I got the scoop. So, uh, yeah, Kenneth Branagh is in Infinity War, which makes sense, of course, because he was the director of Thor. So, uh, it's all, anyway. Uh, but he is also in Dunkirk alongside a fantastic cast. Mark Rylance is in there. Tom Hardy is in there. Finn Whitehead. Uh, who else? Killian uh, Murphy mm-hmm. is in there. And a, a young newcomer called Harry Styles, uh, who shows that he's, he's more than just a beautiful singing voice, that he can act 
as well. And this is the the story of the evacuation from Dunkirk in 1940 when Britain was up against it. Makes an interesting double bill, I would say, with Darkest Hour. But this is a much better movie. This is Christopher Nolan bringing all his epic filmmaking skills to bear on this. Uh, he tells the story of the evacuation in three different time frames. So you get the, the evacuation on land with thousands of soldiers trapped in Dunkirk Beach. That takes place over a week. Then you have the attempt by by lots of British sailors, domestic sailors. Their ships are commandeered and there is a massive convoy of ships uh, that set sail across the sea to try and bring the soldiers back home mm-hmm. again. So that's where we meet Mark Rylance. That takes place in the day. And then you have Tom Hardy as a brave fighter pilot alongside Jack Loudon, uh, who's another fighter pilot. And they are taking on the German forces in the sky. And that takes place over an hour. And it all comes together in this wonderful Nolanian it's a new word. I just pioneered it. Yeah. Nolanian. Uh, you probably pronounce it Nolanian, but law of averages suggests you'll get it right eventually. <laughs> Nolanian uh, technique. And it, it it's on a par absolutely with the likes of The Dark Knight and Inception and is one of the best World War II movies for a long, long time, I would say. It is really gripping. Throws you in at Grunt's eye view. You don't really even get given character names. You don't get to know these guys. There's no tragic backstory here. This is just a tale of survival, and it's fantastic. And see, Sky were only expecting a quick read, and what you gave them was a Dunkirk spoiler special, and that's, that's lovely. <laughs> I think they'll appreciate that. It almost makes up for all the shit at the beginning. So, you know, there Or you indeed go. in the middle, where I started banging on about Kenneth Branagh in a different film. Yeah. Anyway, uh, also out this week, a complete contrast, is Garth Jennings' wonderful animated musical, Sing. Uh, in which a group of animals, animated animals, have a singing contest. Yes. And it's fun and vibrant and has an amazing soundtrack. It does. And uh, it's just a whole lot of fun. And hey, if you like your Garth Jennings, and we all do, uh, he was actually part of the podcast team when the movie came out. And that's a very funny episode. Do check it out. He is a very talented, very, very funny man. And that really shows in sync. So you go, there are my two recommendations for this week. One hell of a double bill. Uh, and join me next week for more Sky Cinema and possibly Kenneth Branagh related fun. All right, so in time now for this week's guests, and I mean guests because there's three of the buggers, and they are uh, Luke Evans making a return to the podcast, uh, Daniel Brule, Simo himself, Simo, uh, and Dakota Fanning making a, a long-awaited return to the, the small screen, or the big screen, or just any screen, because I haven't seen her in ages in anything. Yeah, it feels like it's been a while. I think she's been just, you know, living her life. Um, I, I was on set been, of this yeah. back in the day. This is The Alienist. This is The Alienist. The, the Netflix show that is available right now. Mm, it's already out. It's um, And this takes place after Alien 3, but before <laughs> Alien Resurrection. I'm right in saying that, yeah? You are incorrect. Um, it is set at the sort of turn of the uh, 19th to the 20th century. I was right. Yeah, just about there. It's actually about uh, this team of people who come together to investigate a series of child murders, um, and they have to basically invent forensic science and criminal profiling as they go in order to do it. So it's sort of based on like all this stuff was happening at the time, like fingerprints were starting to be a thing. This is like 1890s and uh, fingerprints were starting to kind of be used and and stuff like that. But it was all brand new and they didn't know what worked and what didn't. And so Daniel Brühl is a psychologist and he kind of leads the team and he's trying to essentially profile this guy. So it's kind of Mindhunters, the prequel. Or, or... Criminal Minds. I was about to say, Criminal Minds, 1843. Ye olde uh, Criminal Minds. Yeah, also And that. he's Hotch. 
I, I don't watch Criminal Minds. I just watch NCIS and then all the other letter shows I don't bother with. I've seen the first episode of this and really enjoyed it. And someone <laughs> described this as True Detective 1896, whatever it was, which I thought was a pretty good way of That's looking at That's also the not tone. unfair. Yeah, there's a little bit yeah. of that tone in there as uh, but well. But the, the, the sort of turn of the century uh, New York is, is extraordinary. It's It was an enormous set. Like, it was apparently bigger than the one they built for Fantastic Beasts. Where like was this? Is, uh, this was in Eastern Europe. I think it was in Prague. Yeah, I know where it was. Was it? It was in Budapest. Was it in Budapest? It I was, was in, in Budapest. Budapest. That's where I was. And I know you were in Budapest because uh, Ben Travis did the interview for this. Right. And we were chatting back and forth about questions. And uh, I went, oh, where was the shot? And he went, Budapest. And I went, did you know there is a statue in Budapest uh-huh. of Colombo? I didn't get to see that. And now I feel like I've wasted my entire trip, I'll be yeah. honest. But and so he talks about that. Yeah. It was a, well, I had a very nice time in Budapest and... Uh, it was an incredible, incredible set. Like, they, they made it this huge mm. place. And I think they're hoping to go back for a, se- a second season, and I hope they do. The second book is really creepy. Wow. Alienist Resurrection. No, still, still, still no. <laughs> Alienist versus Predatorist? Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, no. Anyway, enjoy the interview. Hang on, Helen. I get to do the links around here. So this is a man talking to some other people about something. Well, I wasn't really listening. Thanks, Chris. Okay. Ben, Travis, talking to people? Sure. Can you do it, actually? Ben Travis talking to Daniel Brühl, Luke Evans and Dakota Fanning. See, that's why they pay the big bucks. Enjoy. So we're delighted to be joined on the Empire podcast by the stars of The Alienist. Uh, we've got Dakota Fanning, we've got Luke Evans and Daniel Brühl. How are you guys doing? Very well. Very well. Well. You, you, uh, so this is your new series that's coming to Netflix around the world. It's set in New York. It's Filmed in Budapest, and now we're here in Rome to talk about it. <laughs> Where else are you going to travel with this show? Uh, quite a few other places. Uh, <laughs> We've been all over, haven't yeah. we? It's been... Interestingly, because it went on American television first, on TNT, uh, we did uh, Sundance and New York and Los Angeles. We had a big premiere in Los Angeles, which was very special. Then we had a little break, mm-hmm. and then we did some more press in London. In London. Mm-hmm. And now we're here, and uh, we're going to New York next month. And So it's, it's an ongoing uh, tour, but, you know, <clears throat> I never get bored of talking about it because it mm. when, when you've got 10 hours of, of content it's yeah. a lot you know and we've now shot it we've now seen it on screen we've now got a fan reaction from the American audience there's a lot to talk about and it's it's lovely to see that everybody's embraced it and have, have loved it as much as we love shooting it yeah absolutely so, so on that topic um, this isn't your typical period drama uh, which of you wants to kind of set up the idea of the show and, and tell us a little bit about your characters Dakota one. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Well, I think uh, a lot of people are unfamiliar with what an alienist Mm. is. Um, There's no aliens or sci-fi element in this this series. Um, An alienist was a was a term in uh, the in 1896 for a psychologist, and um, this show is kind of about the birth of psychology and the birth of forensics, and um, it's set in New York City, which was a very uh, changing time period. It was the Gilded Age on one hand, and also um, you see the a great disparity between the rich and the poor and the immigrants and everyone trying to figure out their way. And so the show really um, highlights that through uh, an investigation. And I play Sarah Howard, who uh, is the first female to hold a position at the New York Police Department <laughs> for the police commissioner, who's Theodore Roosevelt at this time. Um, and Lucas. <laughs> Shall I carry on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so I play John, 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 
John Skylemore. <laughs> and almost forgot his middle name. Not many people use it, really, in, yeah. in, in interviews, but I like it. John Skylemore. Um, he is an illustrator for the New York Times. Um, in the book, he was a narrator mostly, but in the, in the, in the show, he's, uh, he's part of the team. And he's, uh, but because of that, we were able to give him much more of a backstory. And um, he's, uh, he's an entitled individual. He's, he's, he comes from money. He lives with his grandmother in a very nice part of New York. He is an old Harvard friend of Laszlo Chrysler, mm-hmm. and uh, seems to be one of his only friends by the look of it. <coughs> um, he's the only one with the most patience. Uh, he uh, he and he he suffers with uh, addictions. He's a highly functioning alcoholic. He's he he doesn't really have a purpose. He's sort of wandering through life, and he's he's he's, he's been jilted by his fiance. He's dealing with the grief of his brother's death. Um, he's just a bit of a. He's a lost soul, and, and it's, it's, that's how you meet him when you think, oh, God, you know, where's this guy going to go? He's, what's he going to contribute to this story or to the investigation and to the team? And through the help of his friend, Laszlo, and uh, the, this, this terrible crime, he, he's drawn into it uh, reluctantly at first, but finds his way and, and becomes a part of it. And uh, it's, it's a saving of him, really, I think. And now the, the amazingly named alienist himself. Yes. Uh, uh, Chrysler. <laughs> what, what yeah, well, that's the Chrysler is the alienist, is the psychologist. And as Dakota said, psychology had just been born mm-hmm. 20 years prior to that. So these guys were the first ones, were pioneers, mm-hmm. progressive, modern, liberal thinkers, and obviously had many enemies in society because there were still many prejudices uh, and ignorance when it came to mental diseases. And he's a very smart uh, psychologist, but he knows perfectly well that uh, this will be a very complicated case and he will not be able to find the killer if he uh, doesn't get the support and has the help of you know equally brilliant people uh, around him. And then this interesting team of social outcasts and yeah, pioneers, each one of them in their own field, come together um, but again the case is far more complicated than they would have thought so that that rises the tension within the team mm-hmm. these were the scenes that I personally liked the most you know when the team struggles and uh, yeah and eventually they um, manage to find the killer Amazing. So, with this partially being a, uh, a period drama, a period setting, let's talk costumes, because you filmed this for six months, right? We mm. did. Well, I will say, some of their costumes were equally as uncomfortable mm. as the corset, probably, so I'll give them some credit. Um, but yeah, it was, we filmed March to September in Budapest, and mm. it was, you know, supposed to be winter for some of the series, and it was... Uh, very hot, in fact. Uh, so there was a lot of sweaty days uh, mm-hmm. for all of us. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think you know I've I've had to wear corsets before in in films, not for this amount of time. Mm-hmm. This was the longest I've had to I've had to wear it. So I feel like I can. I'm as close to experiencing what women in 1896 uh, experienced as as probably anyone. And as so, so as uncomfortable as they were sometimes, it was actually really a privilege to wear the costumes because Michael Kaplan, who's the costume designer, is just, like, such a genius. And um, they're some of the most beautiful, authentic, handmade uh, costumes I'd ever worn. So I was, I was impressed by your shoulder. Oh, yeah, everyone oh, okay. was. Yeah. The yeah. sleeves are infamous, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so while you've got the kind of uh, the 
period settings and like the beautiful sets and stuff, there is also it's quite a dark series. What was the grimmest thing that you saw on the set from the blood mm. and the guts and the murder mm. scenes? Tell me a bit about that last little bit. Well, that's hard. <clears throat> it's hard. I mean, every episode mm. has something rather gruesome in it. I mean, I guess maybe the first one for me when I was sent to the uh, on the first episode, John is um, is asked by his friend to go to a to sketch something. <clears throat> he doesn't tell him what it is because if he had, he probably wouldn't have gone. Um, and it's the it's the first murder of this this child, and uh, he has to sketch it. He's never probably he's never seen a dead body in his life. And for me, it was, it was so real, and it was on a, on a bridge, and it was snowing, and it was it was a really dark dark moment. And it sort of reminded me of the next six months. I was about to see quite a few of these bodies. <laughs> I find it creepy when they talk about it, when the department, the special effects department, talks to the director and then they have that corpse in front of them. Mm. And then I, fi- I, I always find this very, very creepy. We need more blood in the in the eye and then we need oh this guy has to go deeper and then oh that's not blue uh, the, the skin is not blue or whatever so I, I, this is it's this nerdy weird conversations uh you know that um that you have on a day you know in order to make it look as authentic as you know uh, as it does in the show and, and are you guys um crime show buffs in general what was the last show you binged have, if you kind of if a new crime show comes out are you Kind of rifling through all the episodes. Yeah, I've I've actually I've actually um enjoyed uh, that kind of show in the past. Um, I don't know what it is yet. The last, it's not the last show that I've that I've binged, but but yeah, no, I I I really liked um I really like the Alienist for that element because mm-hmm. I've always been fascinated by kind of criminal psychology and the why you know why we we do what we do, good or bad. So um, I I was definitely a fan. And what about you guys? Mindhunter is what I recently watched. Um, It's the first thing that comes to my mind. It's brilliant. Mm -hmm. And then also period. uh, Different period. But but yeah, what Dakota said, to go back to the origin of of so many sciences, Mm -hmm. of psychology, of crime psychology. That's what I found interesting and endearing, you know. To, to see that team being impressed by fingerprint, you know, all these mm. things that we take for granted. Mm. I, I just love that scene, you know, when we all open our eyes and they're, oh. um, So that was part of the joy. You guys filmed for six months in Budapest. That's, that's a long time. Yeah. Um, and you must have been together for a lot of that time. Uh, what did you do when you first uh, all arrived in Budapest together to kind of bond and to hang out? And did you go out in the evenings together? What was it like getting to hang out we, we all lived in a very like nice that. part of Budapest mm. and we were there at the beginning of the, the, the late spring, early summer which is actually a glorious time to be in Hungary I mean it really is a, a, a fun city and um, the, the doors open and everybody eats outside it's very alfresco and uh, <clears throat> we, we connected very, very quickly um, almost the first time we met and it, so that was a relief in itself that we were going to get on and... Uh, we we enjoyed each other's company out off the set quite, quite most most weekends and evenings we would go for dinner and uh, we we celebrated birthdays there I I think mine was the first one mm-hmm. you went you got married while we were shooting wow. it uh, you Did know you in Budapest in Spain in Spain 
in Spain. But that was my only break that I had, my only window of seven days. We gave him four hours off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you guys go to the wedding? We, we had to work had to because work. he wasn't there, yeah, so they had exactly. to build something. They were yeah. invited, though. We were invited, yes. Uh, we've, we've seen the pics. <laughs> but we weren't there, unfortunately. And what, what did you do on birthdays? Because Budapest, I, I was there earlier this year, and it's got... Not in a kind of nightclub kind of way, but a really nice sort of evening bar pub kind mm. of scene. That's a nightclub thing too. Yeah, that is great. I mean, they have these things called um, ruin bars, mm. and there is one which is a club that we used to frequent every now and again. It was great. It was really special. It, met, it kept it like an old ruined house. Mm-hmm. Um, I had my birthday there, didn't I? Yeah. Um, it reminded me of Berlin really a little bit. Mm. Yes, I felt like I was. At home, in a way, like Berlin used to be a couple of years ago. Faded, grandiose, mm-hmm. you know, big stone staircases, but falling down a little bit. And uh, but they've embraced that because there's so much of it in, in Budapest, and, and it, uh, that's why it also worked so well as we were able to use many interiors of some of the grander buildings uh, for, like the, uh, the the location of Delmonico's, the restaurant which you, we've, we go to many times within the ten episodes. That was actually a library, and we. All we had to do was put tables and, and press the tables. Everything else was exactly as it is in the in the show, and that, I mean that was quite amazing, wasn't it? When we yeah. got to see these places, like like the Opera House as well, and uh, and some of the streets. You know, all we had to put down was some cobble, and there we have it, mm-hmm. New York City. Mm-hmm. And and when you guys were going out in the evenings, um, did you brave the uh, sort of Local spirit, Palinka, which is like pure, yeah, 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 it's like pure paint strippers. We had no choice. <laughs> I, I, I actually liked. <laughs> I liked, I liked Palinka, and I also liked Unicum, which is the other. Mm. Unicum, Unicum is really is is really good, and it's the other kind of spirit of how hungry. They, are they different? Oh, they're completely Very different. different. Mm. Unicum is like Jägermeister more. So mm. it, um, it comes in like, it's a, like a cannonball with a big red cross yeah, on the front. Yeah, and it was originally made for the king of Hungary because he had a bad stomach, and mm-hmm. so this was like an herbal remedy for the king, and that's how it became a like, This will make you feel better. I'm Budapest's biggest fan, by mm. the way. I yeah. loved it and didn't want to leave mm. your... Um, I, I, I loved it so much. So, so are you angling for series two? So you get to go back out. I hate that. If if that if that were to if that were to happen, I would not complain. And, and the other thing that Budapest is really known for is um, is the communal baths. Did you guys go oh, and yeah. take mm. the communal bath together? Yeah. You, you make it sound a little weird. Not together. No. Uh, <laughs> Not together. No, they're I, usually men and women. Yeah, they separated, have separate. separate. They're, yeah, they're still separate. But those places. I mean, there's one Rudash which was on the uh, uh, the Buddha side of, of the river, um, which goes back hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, like 700 years, I think. So um, so they're not only, you know, a, a bath which is f- heated by the natural springs underneath Budapest, but you're looking at, you know, historical buildings which have been there for a lifetime. Um, so that was, they were really very interesting, and they're very, they, you know, there's a, that water has got stuff in it that other water from around the world doesn't have. It. The minerals are very, very powerful. So, yeah, we all made the most of that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But one other thing that I don't think anyone's quite figured out why is in Budapest, but there is a statue of Columbo, who's obviously all the most like, famous <laughs> American... And also uh, Ronald Reagan statue Reagan, yeah. as well, yeah. yeah. Did you go and pay homage to, to the Columbo statue while you were making your own... I didn't see it. Did you see it? 
I, I don't know where was. I it? heard about yeah. about it, but I didn't. Yeah. I did not see it. I mean, the yeah. Reagan one was. I saw uh, the Reagan the, one. That I was. I didn't pay tribute to that, but uh, I shook his hand because his hand is in front of him as he's walking, and it's really shiny. So obviously, it's the thing you do is you shake Ronald's hand. Ronald's hand. So, but Colombo, yeah. It's so funny. I, I know. Yeah, Why yeah. is that there? We don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He must have been. Then there was the birth house of Houdini. I remember. On, oh on the, on right. The, yeah, yeah, I, I went side. to that. I went to that. Um, oh, you did. Yeah, yeah. It's. It was. Is his house or was it just a museum? I think it was his house when he was born. What, one so fun fact about the, hippo, the the zoo, the hippo, the hippo mm. lake is heated by the natural springs, so they have oh, a hot yeah. pool the whole year round. <laughs> Yeah, how cool is that? That's that's the only fact. So, so, what do we see all of you guys in in next? And um, hopefully, you'll be working together possibly on a season two. Like, oh, well, we haven't seen all the episodes yet, so who knows? Maybe you're all dead by the end of season one. But, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, yeah, what are you guys um, in next? I, well, I have a little break now, and then I'm gonna work with Julie Delpy, who who is a friend and we've worked with each other a couple of times and uh, I'm happy to be able to not also be in the movie as an actor but also uh, be one of the producers which makes me incredibly proud because it's my first credit and 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 I mean and I'm doing it with with her which is you know great and um, and Luke what, what have you got coming up um, oh I, well, I've got, I just finished uh, a movie in January with um, Octavia Spencer and Alison Janney and Juliette Lewis. Um, it was a Blumhouse horror, I think we yeah. want to call it. Yeah, uh, which is very fun in Mississippi. Um, I think I have a film right now called Ten by Ten. It's a small thriller with Maybe me Noel and Clark? Kelly Riley. Noel Clark wrote it. Yeah, it's a two-hander mm -hmm. based mainly in a room, ten by ten which is um, <laughs> challenging. Um, and I'm off to do a movie in Australia with um, Numi Rapace, uh, which is a very deep uh, psychological drama. Uh, so that's what I'm doing next. And, yeah. Fantastic. And um, there's a lot of talk at the moment about the Hobson Shaw Fast and Furious spin-off. As the original Shaw of the Fast and Furious franchise, do you want to appear in that? If, if, if Statham's in, are you in? What's well, you, you've got. Um, we also have to remember we have a mother <clears throat> as well, Helen Mirren. Helen Mirren yeah, so we've got there's three of us now, and I think they would be crazy not to bring us all back. <laughs> uh, it would be fun. It would be really fun. I mean, it was nice to have a little cameo in Fast Eight, you know, and turn up with a big scar on my face and. <laughs> It's like, he's alive. I, I went to see it one night and, and the audience cheered. They, yeah. It was such a shock that they, they thought I was got long gone, you know. So, a bit like you. We're not dead. <laughs> yeah. We're still alive, you know. We could come back. It's, uh, it, so, who knows? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's just a fun, it's a fun role. It's a fun job. And, and Dakota, you've got, um, you're, you've been working on the bell jar. It's yeah. Kind of, what stage of production is that? I know. It's, it's something I can't, there's, there's things that are happening, but nothing that I could really talk about at this point. But it's been something that I'm very focused on, producing an adaptation of that, and also will be in it. Um, I guess I'm technically in Ocean's 8. <laughs> yeah, well, you're listed on IMDb, but yeah. are you playing yourself in that? Is um, I don't want to say anything because <laughs> I don't want to be the one that spoils any of it but I am a little part of that which was fun fantastic well yeah. thank you so much guys it's been lovely to have you on the show thank, thank you. you and uh, yeah hope to catch you all soon cool thank you, thank you. That was Daniel Brule, that was Luke Evans, and that was Dakota Fanning talking to Ben Travis. And now let's talk about some of this week's B 
big releases uh, that have <laughs> dared to peek out like little hedgehogs after a huge event, you know, like after a rain shower, and they're going, is it safe? <laughs> after Avengers Infinity War has, has decimated everything in his path, one-tenth of everything in his path. Most, y- yes, anyway, that would be. Yes, okay. has destroyed a lot of stuff. Uh, these are the films that are brave enough to come around in his second week, and that's lead with Tully. Yeah, so this is the uh, Charlize Theron film for Jason Reitman. Um, and it is a very... It's hard to know what to say about this film. It's a very interesting portrait of new motherhood. Now, that's not to say this is... She plays a woman who's just giving or about to give birth when we meet her to her third child. So she already has two small children. She's already pretty knackered most of the time. Then she has this new baby and obviously is up at all hours of the day and night trying to feed the thing. Um, and um, her brother, who's played by Mark Duplass, says, look, I'm going to give you a present of... Because he's rich and has lots of money. I'm going to um, hire a night nanny several nights a week mm-hmm. and just to give you a break, just to let you get your feet back under yourself. So this night nanny will come in, will look after the baby when it's just fussing and, and you know needs attention, nappy changing, anything like that, and will just disturb you if, as and when the baby needs fed. And otherwise, you get to actually sleep. So this is obviously a fantastic option. So Mackenzie Davis turns up and not only does she actually allow Charlize to get some sleep again, she also cleans the house and bakes cupcakes and generally just helps her get a grip back on her life. Like it feels like suddenly she she can be one of those mums who brings in cupcakes to her son's class and, you know, seems to have everything under control. Um, but at the same time, there's something a little bit off about things and it isn't really clear what that is for a very mm. long time so I'm not going to say any more anyway fantastic performances yes um, and I think quite a, a realistic I think from watching people who've gone through it de- de- a portrayal of depiction portrayal both at the same time of you know what it's like to be incredibly sleep deprived and, and absolutely tortured with tiny children um, and uh, it's probably not one to watch if you are currently in that situation if you currently are sleep deprived and surrounded by smaller crying things, mm-hmm. maybe just leave it for now. It's a very good film, but yeah. it's best watched when you're at a remove from that, I suspect. Yes. Also known as being on the Emperor podcast for you, <laughs> I imagine. A little bit like that, yeah. yes. Uh, um, but, so but, this is... but really good performances, really, really good yeah. script uh, by, um, of course... Diablo Cody. Diablo Cody, so, you know... And this is the, the third collaboration between Jason Reitman and Diablo Cody after yeah. um, Juno, which I do not like, right? and Young Adult. Which I do. Yes. And and that obviously has Charlie's uh, Theron as well. As well. So, mm-hmm. uh, And they seem to be exploring very different stages of womanhood mm-hmm. in a way. So you have the, uh, the a young mother who's not ready for it in yep. Juno. You have a, 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 the arrested development of uh, Charlie's Theron in, in young a young adult. Yep. And, then, uh, and then you have this different yep. stage as well. It seems to be interesting to me, or spendiferously promising. Yeah, I, <laughs> I think uh, no, I think it is, and I think uh, what they say about that is is good as far as it goes. Um, I, I feel like it could maybe have pushed a little harder in a few areas, but I haven't personally been through it, so what do I know? What have but, you got uh, against Juno, you freak? I I didn't like it at at all. But I, you clearly, How can you, you not like Jennifer understand. Garner in that film? Oh, everyone likes Jennifer Garner in every film. Right. She could play. She could play. Electra a serial and still killer. Like her. <laughs> True, she could. Juno stars the West Wing's Alice and Janney. Therefore, it's a five-star film. We just need to accept that and move on. 
Is that your new criteria for films? Yes, yes it is. It's not a terrible one, you've got it's to not, admit. It's a superb one. <laughs> so if any member of the cast of The West Wing is in the film, automatic five stars. Well, yeah. Including the four-star masterpiece Molly's Game, which <laughs> don't admittedly make, wasn't... Don't make me destroy you. <laughs> Three stars. Uh, round and round yes. and round we go. Let it continue. Uh, so four stars then for Tully, and that brings us next to another four-star film, spoiler alert, and this is a an animated film. This is Mary and the Witch's Flower. Jimbo. It is. This uh, This is the first film from Studio Ponock. Which, has, which is the sort of anime phoenix that has risen from the ashes of Studio Ghibli, uh, which involves a lot of their animators and indeed their, uh, one of their executive producers. Um, and it's a triumphant first film for them, to be honest. I, I will not and cannot pretend to be an expert in Ghibli films. I have seen Spirited Away. I have seen My Neighbor Totoro. I'm sure I've seen at least one or two others, but I'm not a hardcore Ghibliite. That said, really, really enjoyed this. Um, I found it more accessible than some of the Ghibli stuff I've seen, in that it's it has some mentalness to it, but not the sort of full-out Ghibli at its most bizarre. I thought it yeah. was slightly more traditional, but it has the same kind of central character, sort of very precocious, bored with her life kind of mm-hmm. schoolgirl, mm-hmm. which is Mary, uh, voiced in the English version by Ruby Barnhill from the BFG. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously everyone here would opt to just listen to it in the original Japanese. Um, not if it's a well-done dub, actually. I think we all saw it in Japanese, didn't we? I didn't. When we didn't, uh, well, we had an office screening of it, and it was in Japanese. But anyway, um, so she, uh, schoolgirl Mary, she spends the summer at her great aunt's house while waiting for her parents to arrive, uh, and then she discovers a magic flower and a magic broomstick, and is whisked away to the forest moon of Endor, where a heroic rebellion is. No, sorry, <laughs> no, but it that's is. the wrong film. <laughs> it's Endor College, yes, which is essentially Hogwarts yes. for anime fans. Well, this, um, this comes from a book. This comes from another English children's book mm. um, of the, what, 60s, 70s? Yeah, it's called Return of the Jedi. And, uh, <laughs> no, it's, 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 it's very good. And, and there's a, I don't want to give away too much of the plot, but she finds a flower. The flower gives her special magical power. She goes to the school. Not everything is what it seems. There's a sarcastic cat. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's, it's a lot of fun. I really, really enjoyed it. And the, he, uh, the protagonist has magnificent animated hair. She Ooh. does. Yeah, she has mm. very cool hair. Could you eat it? You could eat it. You could eat it. You couldn't You'd eat it. You the shit out of that. Oh, my God. Um, it, what I love about this, it ends with a kind of... Oh, end, sorry, it begins with a cold open, which is an amazing sort of uh, sort of escape action sequence, which is, for a film like this, you know, it really drops you in at the deep end, gets you very engaged very early on, and then it slows down, and you get this sort of bucolic pastoral... Uh, and it's it's slightly odd with regional English accents, but it's, 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 a lovely, it's a lovely beginning to a film which kind of gears up into something rather unexpected. So I do... I think anyone who enjoys Ghibli, certainly early Ghibli, will enjoy this, mm. and anyone who, you know, has a soul will probably like it as well. Yeah. I think, I think it, it's... You're right, it's missing something of the Ghibliness, and, and I personally... Did did notice the mm. lack of that kind of extra hit of weirdness, um, but again, I mean, like some of the like some of the Ghibli, like Arietti or um, Howl's Moving Castle, it's based on a classic English children's yeah. book, and this one is perhaps less of a, I think it's a less good story than the Diana Wynne Jones, but it's still kind of a lot of fun. It is unfortunate that now you see this College of Magic and you just think Hogwarts, yeah, and you, you hear do. Endor and you yeah. just think Ewoks. Um, but, you know, it's, they maybe could have changed a few more lines, because let's face it, they've changed a bit already. But yeah, no, it is it is really fun, and it does scratch that Ghibli itch. Although, of course, Miyazaki's back and making another film, so... Yes. Yeah. It could, we'll have more to come. Yeah, there are scratches, scratches are plenty. Yes. 
Four Stars Inn for Mary and the Witch's Flower. There are a couple of other films out this week. Uh, there is the new film from Andrew Hay, the director of Weekend and 45 Years, and this is Lean on Pete. And uh, this is a tale about a young boy played by Charlie Plummer, no relation to Christopher Plummer, uh, who of course was in uh, All the Money in the World as well. He gets a job with a horse trainer played by Steve Buscemi, and there's a horse called Lean on Pete, and uh, the horse is in danger of being sent to the knacker's yard. So Charlie takes the road in search of his long lost aunt. We gave this one four stars. Lean on Pete's real name is Starsky. That's my fact for you. Wow, really? That's the horse's real name, yeah. And do they keep him in a hutch? They might well do. Wow, that's amazing. So there you go, four stars for Lean on Pete. Uh, also out this week, two stars for... I Feel Pretty, which is the newest movie from Amy Schumer. We were not kind about the trailer on the live podcast a few weeks ago. We and not. we haven't been kind on the film, but uh, none of us here have had the pleasure. I will just uh, say what uh, our reviewer says. An intimately funny vehicle for Schumer that never really gets to grips with the ramifications of its high concept. Its heart is in the right place, but its head is somewhere else. So two stars in for I Feel Pretty. And Helen, you have another movie that you would like to bang on about. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's still in cinemas, if it was only there for a day, but it came out yesterday and it's called Nothing Like a Dame. Mm -hmm. Um, And it is uh, literally a film where Dame's Judi Dench... Maggie Smith, Joan Plowright and Eileen Atkins sit around in a house and talk. <laughs> this sounds amazing. It is amazing. It is so good. They are they are absolutely hilarious um, and no holds barred and exactly as funny and smart as you would expect. Um, and... Uh, and yeah, it's 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 quite moving at times as well. But there's there's little glimpses of their back catalogue going back literally fifty or sixty years, um, and uh, and it just reminds you how bloody awesome they all are. So honestly, if you get the chance to see it, I believe it's going to be on TV over the summer if it isn't on demand already. Definitely do check it out. It is it is basically like hanging with the Dowager Countess and mm. M for an afternoon. It's wow. really good. That's, uh, that's quite the sales yeah. pitch. Sadly, it is already out of cinemas. It was on it Wednesday. Was a it was a one-day thing. One day. But it sounds fantastic, so do check it out. I did a quick search there now on Amazon for Nothing Like a Dame. And uh, did you know that there are several things that are called Nothing Like a Dame? <laughs> there is a The Scandals of Shirley Porter. That's in paperback right now. There is a Nothing Like a Dame, Conversations with the Great Women of Musical Theatre. That is an out-of-stock book, but right. uh, out-of-print book, rather, so you, but you can order that. Uh, and Elaine Smith's uh, autobiography is Nothing Like a Dame. My autobiography. And then Thora Hurd's autobiography was also nothing like a dame. Wow. There you go. Nothing in this world. See, you come to the Empire podcast for... Peter Dinklage impressions. Yeah. And you leave armed with that sort of knowledge. And, and prognostications And Starsky and your, your stuff about... I mean, mm-hmm. I'm struggling to remember what you said. Yeah. But it was something about something. It was you good. not knowing the law of averages? Yeah, but eventually I'll get there. Yeah. Law of averages the, no. suggests that no, it's not I will get means. there in the end. All right. Okay, so that is it. How many, <laughs> so Helen would give that six stars. Six stars? Um, I, give, I would give it four stars, personally. Four stars. Yeah. Four stars. none of that matters because you can't see it. Yeah. Do you think it'll be made a dame one these days, Helen? No. Dame Helen O'Hara. I think it should be made a dame. Thank you. I think you should. I think, but, you know, like in 50 years' time. Right. You know, because no one wants a young dame. Like Sir Bradley Wiggins, Sir Andy yeah. Murray, too yeah. young. Too young. What, too young. What would you like to be? You know, if the Queen was doling out titles, what would you have? Well, it was interesting. In the film, Joan Plowright discussed the fact that she was a lady before she became a dame. And because Maggie Smith was... says it's better to be a lady. 
Yeah. Is it? What is it like? Is there a ranking system here? Does lady outrank? Well, I don't know how it works, but she was a lady through Laurence Olivier, obviously, who she was married to. So um, I don't know. Maggie Smith certainly thinks it's a better title, and I never disagree with Maggie Smith. Not what is a dame? Like what, like what? What is it? Like what's the what, what's the relevance of it? I mean, it's just like an honour, isn't it? I don't know. It doesn't convey any kind of special powers or <laughs> gets you a better table at Shake Shack. Yes. Right away. At they... Shake Shack. Shake Shack, yeah. That's yeah. quite specific. They will not sit you by the toilet yeah. if you are a dame. You need to be at least a baronet to get a Nando's black card. Yeah. Also, you can kill people and get away with it. That's not... Total nice. impunity. Definitely not. No? No. Love averages. No. Uh, right. So that is it for this week's Empire Podcast. Join us next week for more film-related fun. We'll be joined by a double whammy of great British, and this makes me bloody proud to be British, great British character acting talent in the shape of Eddie Marsan and Ooh. Clive Owen. Wow. Can you imagine such a thing? My mind is blown. I mean, we've wanted them for years. They said we would never get them. You can't get Marsan and Owen, they said. We got them. Ta. We got them. And did I ask them questions? Did you? I think I did. And I did hope they so. answer them? I blacked out. I'll be honest <laughs> with you. Anyway, so Eddie Marsan and Clive Owen are on the podcast next week. Hey, I should tell people as well, as well as the Avengers Infinity War spoiler special podcast, there are a couple of other specials. Uh, there's a Tom Hiddleston Life is Loki special uh, where we talk about his life as Loki. That's a lot of fun. And then coming your way over the next couple of weeks, there are two more spoiler specials that should be of interest to people. One, Deadpool 2, Ooh. where we should be talking to Ryan Reynolds about that and then number two is Solo a Star Wars story where we'll be talking to director Ron Howard so that's very exciting very exciting very exciting okay so until then until that auspicious occasion it is goodbye from Helen O'Hara toodaloo sorry it's goodbye from Dame Helen O'Hara <laughs> toodaloo it's goodbye from I don't think you'll ever be a night Jimbo I'll be honest with you really yeah I don't think that's so supreme leader <laughs> oh, yeah this is true this is where it's going isn't it yeah. it's supreme leader dire yeah Goodbye. <laughs> and it's goodbye from me, Viscount Hewitt. I mean, that's I mean, how I'm pronouncing it. Yeah, I was going to say. It's not, it's not actually said that way. No, it's not said or it's not pronounced or spelt that way, but I'm, I'm, that's what I'm going with anyway. Thanks a lot. See you next week. Bye. <laughs>